Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Skeptics and Seekers with a very unfamiliar voice to those of you who don't listen to other products. This is not David. This is Matthew, the man with the fakest British accent in the universe. And here we have with us, we have returning guests. I think both of you are returning guests. So in the red corner, we have Darren. Welcome, Darren. Welcome, although I prefer blue corner. Okay. All right, then. We've magically painted it, and it's the blue corner for Darren now. Um, and you, for people who may recognize you, you've been on the Still Unbelievable podcast with myself and Andrew talking about the Alpha course a couple of times. And mm -hmm. we've got you build for tomorrow night talking with uh, Daniel, the Bible guy, as well for another episode of the Skeptics and Seekers extravaganza. And in not the blue corner, we have got the returning bear. We have Teddy. Hello, Teddy. Hello. How are you? Great to be here with y'all. And and yes, I, I would be the red corner for sure. You would be the red corner. So yes. you are in the corners that you chose right at the very beginning. There were definitely Indeed. no mistakes made there. Welcome back, Teddy. Now, I've also had you on the Still Unbelievable podcast. You you quizzed me for a couple of hours. Yes. Uh, and uh, thank you for that. You were gentle with me, definitely not bearish. Um, <laughs> but um, you've been very bearish in past episodes here on Skeptics and Seekers, and I'm probably anticipating that here. So I've got all my padding out to separate you and uh, Darren. <laughs> so welcome on to another Skeptics and Seekers, uh, Teddy. Now, this episode has been billed as part of the morality extravaganza, and this is going to, to be mostly around about uh, homosexuality and uh, sexual morality. Uh, but I'm imagining that there'll be some deviation around that because you can't have sexuality without a bit of deviation. So that's going to be <laughs> normal there. So without any ado, without any further ado, let's start with just opening it a little bit generally. How do we define morality? And let's start there first and then move on to where Christians and atheists might differ uh, on, on the basics on that. So who wants to go first on defining morality? I'll, I'll go, start. Teddy. Let's I'll go, ladies, okay. first. You go first. Okay. Um, so I would define morals as um, the principles on which one's judgments of right and wrong are based. And I would kind of distinguish that a little bit um, with what some people use as the definition for ethics as um, – principles of right conduct, but, uh, but in terms of morals, it, it would just be, it would uh, apply to the broader population as opposed to just the individual. Okay, and Darren? Um, I tend to define morality basically by what we've decided the definite, uh, what we should what we have decided, what we think it should be doing. Um, so as far as I can tell, that includes a sense of fairness, a sense of em empathy, and a way to educate, adjudicate um, what we think is fair, which um, I usually prefer John Rawls' uh, veil of ignorance for that. And I think if you've got those three things, then I think, um, I generally think that's what most people mean when they are talking about morality. 
Okay, so the obvious thing that I'm noticing between the two definitions that you gave is, Ted, do you use the words right and wrong, whereas, uh, Darren, you focused more on, on fairness and you brought out a bit about personality or what is personally preferable. Do you two see any conflicts between those two sets of definitions or do you think it's broadly using different words to describe approximately the same thing? I see a big difference uh, between the two definitions in that um, when I think of right and wrong, I mean, and one can split that too because you can have objective right and wrong and then you can have subjective right and wrong and then there's the and then that you know kind of brings up the question of is there such a thing as objective right and wrong but if if there is no objective right and wrong then everybody's subjective um, feelings of right and wrong you know then it becomes a question of who is the more powerful person and they get their way and they will kind of squash the uh, version of right and wrong by the weaker people. And so, uh, whereas with Darren's definition, what we think is fair, well, that, that brings up, well, what, who thinks is fair and what happens when two versions of fair disagree and collide who wins and it's that's usually the person who is um the more powerful so uh i would see that as the the big difference between the way we view things perhaps that that's how i see it yeah and i think that's a fair critique the problem is is that okay let's say that it is a fact that objective morals don't exist okay, then we have to live with the ramifications of that. Um, it doesn't help to wish for objective morals to exist if they don't exist. Um, so if we are going to, um, and if you look back through history, no one has ever demonstrated an objective moral. What, they have, what has always been demonstrated is a bunch of people think a certain way, and if you don't like it, um, then you have to physically stand up for what you're doing. I mean, we've had world wars based around all of this. So, um, yes, it may not be a pleasant reality, but that, as far as I can tell, is in fact the reality that we exist in. And I like John Rawls' veil of ignorance because it answers uh, Teddy's last question of, well, who decides what's fair? We all decide what's fair. Because once you're behind that veil of ignorance, where you don't know if you're going to be the, um, to tie this into the actual subject, the, the gay person or the Christian persecutor of the gay person, then um, if you don't know what position you're going to be in, then that helps take you out of the situation and, um, and allows you to make a more fair judgment about what is and is not moral in that situation. But what happens if somebody says, well, you know what, I don't want to adopt the veil of ignorance way of uh, hashing this out? Uh, the same thing that happens when they say they don't want to uh, adopt the objective God morals way of hashing this out. 
Well, it, but then there that then there's the question of how do you know if you know or, or the question of is there an objective moral standard? You know, you first have to figure that out, and you know, because I agree with you if if we assume that there is no objective moral standard, then you know whoever's in charge you know, decides what the standard is or, or how we go about figuring out the standard, whether it be the veil of ignorance or, or mob rule or whatever. Um, but if there is an objective uh, moral standard that is issued by uh, a supreme lawgiver, which, you know, let's call him God, if, so if God exists... And if the God, if the Judeo-Christian God exists, then we have something else that feeds into the equation, and that is the whole carrot and the stick. And right, but you're describing might makes right at that point. You're the the entire problem you're trying to avoid by producing a God that the most powerful person decides what's moral. You're just pushing that up to a God. You're not actually fixing the problem. Well, I I would agree that um, when whoever, you know, the creator of the universe is, that's the person that is in charge, and it's his creation, and so he gets to do whatever he wants to do with it. Now, you know, well, no, get into the I am not property. <laughs> I am not property. God does not get to do whatever he wants with me. That is just bullshit. Well, but saying it doesn't make it so. I, I am not property. But you're saying that doesn't make it so. That doesn't mean that you are that you don't actually. If if God created you, um, then he can fuck off if he thinks I'm property. Well, I mean. You can say that, but again, that doesn't necessarily change reality. You don't have to like it. That uh, if if the per, if a person can create life and create the universe, uh, then they can do whatever they want with their creation. And I would say yeah, that that's, that's just that's kind not of morality. the facts of life. That's not morality. That's not being good. That's not anything. That's <laughs> the, the entire problem you had with subjective morality was that um, anyone who was, was the toughest person could come along and dictate what their morality was. That that was the entire problem you had with relative morality, and now you're sh you're saying that God God's morality is completely relative because He's the one that's the toughest, and He He thinks He owns us and He can do whatever He wants with us. That's not <laughs> morality. No, that's, that's just that's might not makes at all. right. That's not what I'm saying. Let me uh, try to explain that. Uh, what I mean by it, I, I was just trying to get into the idea that there is a supreme uh, being out there that is kind of the stopping point in terms of who's got the most power. You know that. You know the goodness. That's another issue. But um, the. The thing is, is that when you have uh, God, I mean, he is the one that is determining what, 
what the rules are. And you know, and when I we're talking about Mike, knows what the rules are. <laughs> but, but right, but oh, when yeah. we're talking about might makes right I sold it. in a secular sense on earth we're talking about just people disagreeing over what the rules are like no i don't like you know this rule and so i'm going to disagree with you on this and then you you know uh and and so people squabbling over it uh, but if amongst people if we are of those of us who recognize that there is someone above us, a transcendent God uh, that transcends the earth, that, you know, that we then have to be, uh, that will be in judgment of us after we die, then that can make oh, can even see. the strongest person on earth think about power well do i really want to something else uh you know wipe out a whole nation of people that i don't like because even though i have the strength to do it on earth i'm at some point gonna have to face my maker and so it's always the question of what can there be with the most powerful person on earth to stop them, to cause them to refrain from exercising their might in doing whatever they want? What is it that can uh, cause them to, uh, to tailor their behavior to a certain code, moral code? And that is that there is someone even more powerful than them. And, and you know, and that would be God. And so that's how it's a little bit different in terms of whether it's just, uh, you know, two, two guys on the street trying to get their way and somebody's trying to figure out whose way is going to win versus the person that is the most powerful. Um, so that that's kind of how I distinguish those two things. Yeah, and I don't, and the biggest problem with distinguishing that that is that first it doesn't cause it doesn't solve your problem of relative morality and two it um no one's ever been able to demonstrate that a god is real so it doesn't really matter <laughs> because uh when people decide they want to slaughter um uh, other tribes they just say oh well god's telling me to do this so it doesn't matter that um that uh, if if there is a God and if he does decide what's moral or not, then it doesn't really matter because he hasn't demonstrated that he is, that he um, exists or that he has rules or that he even cares what we're doing or anything else. So it, th- that's not a solution. That's just a way for people to um, excuse their b- uh, bad behavior and uh, say that God's telling them to do it. That's how you get you know crusades and. Um, and people with God on our side, uh, or God is with us on belt buckles and uh, mottos, uh, you know, state mottos and that kind of thing. 
can I just, can I just, yeah, can I just jump in? I want to have a bit of a clarification here. Um, Darren, you mentioned right at the start about the veil of ignorance and you used that as a, you thought that was a good measure uh, for things. For anybody who's listening who might not be familiar with that phrase, could you just sketch out for us what the veil of ignorance is and why you like it? Sure. It's basically this idea that um, you go into any situation not knowing whether you're going to be, uh, say, God or the one making the rules or some peon that God's torturing just because he can. And so you say, okay, well, if I'm in the situation of the um, one being tortured just because he can be, I don't think that's fair, um, which, mean, which means that would be an immoral act. Okay, thank you. Um, and uh, uh, sorry. And one of the thing, one of the objections that you gave to to Teddy about about the God option was that you didn't see a difference between the most powerful person getting to choose morality and uh, that powerful person being God. And uh, Teddy, you you addressed that a little bit. So I'd like to get a little bit more more specific here and, and move this on to sexuality so uh, can, can, can i just say one real yeah 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 thing. go ahead teddy um um and that is just that um the <coughs> veil of ignorance is pretty much uh jesus's teaching of love your neighbor as yourself and so it's like hmm <laughs> doesn't that sound pretty much the same you know the golden rule and um and I would just say that, uh, you know, one can very easily argue that God has demonstrated his existence in showing that um, the intelligence that in, in terms of intelligent design and uh, the intelligence that we see all around us in DNA and all of that speaks to a designer as opposed to just random chance. We don't see on earth um, intelligence design coming from a lack of intelligence. So that was just all I wanted to. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let that one take us too far away from, um, uh, from, from the subject in things and questions of has God proven his existence that go beyond morality. I'm, you know, they've been discussed quite a lot on Skeptics and Seekers and on Still Unbelievable a bit. Uh, I'm sure we can do another episode on that. So I, I'm sure you wanted to jump in there, Darren, but I, I want to keep this on on morality and we, we can we can have at that one uh, another time and we have touched on it uh, over on our alpha uh, um, episodes as well over on uh, still unbelievable um, but well, I, can, going... I can actually resolve it in just one sentence we don't have to go down a major okay. uh, yeah go for uh, it before i pull you back <laughs> all right i would just like to point out that the people that actually study the so-called intelligent design don't actually see uh, intelligent design so the people that actually are most knowledgeable about it don't agree with Teddy's. Uh, um, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to stop it there. I'm going to be quite, quite brutal. And I'm going to stop there. You've both said a little piece on that. Um, we're, we, I don't want to go too far away from morality uh, on that one. Um, so where I was going um, before in Teddy, when you were uh, talking about God making the rules, uh, and I think Darren's objection was, though, God is effectively then the most powerful person, and that is the same problem 
that you objected about with subjective morality. But I'd like to just skip over that and take this to uh, to issues of, of sexuality. Why does there being a God, maybe why is the wrong word in there, but why does there being a God make God's interpretation or God's desires of sexuality important to us? Did I phrase that right? Right. Uh, I, I would say that um, as far as the Bible goes, if one believes in the Judeo-Christian God, there are uh, a lot of rules that are in play concerning sexual morality as well as all sorts of other moralities. And um, these can impact whether a person uh, is eligible to go into heaven if there is an ongoing pattern of a refusal to submit to what God's will is, basically being in uh, just an ongoing state of rebellion with God. And so God designed... uh, sexuality uh, primarily for uh, purposes of procreation. And so he designed his rules. You know, these aren't my rules. Uh, To me, you you first have to decide, does God exist, which God exists, and then examine what are their rules that you're supposed to live by, you know, recognizing the carrot and the stick, and then you go from there. And I'm not... I'm not happy about the rules. Uh, They don't, especially as, you know, it affects people who can't love who they wish to love or, or people, you know, who it it affects. It's not just homosexuals. It's fornicators, adulterers, uh, you know, issues of divorce, it, it's not um, just limited to people in the LGBTQ community, these rules. Um, there are lots of things that if we are in an ongoing state of rebellion against God's will to where we try to put our own desires above God's and we do this on an ongoing basis, that's where it becomes problematic. It's not that God expects us to be free from sin because, you know, we're all sinners and and we can't be perfect, but we should endeavor to give it our best effort. And if we, if we say from the get-go, you know, God, I'm just not going to conform to this particular rule that you have, that's where the the problem lies for the Christian, and there are many Christians who um, are in rebellion with a number of God's rules, or sometimes it's just one of God's rules, and uh, and that's what is of great concern to me, that that could just from my reading of things in the Bible, that that could potentially jeopardize their their eternal reward.
Darren, do you want to take that? I would just say that at some point you have to demonstrate that what you're claiming is actually true. Um, so if you want to claim that the Bible is what God actually wants, then you might want to figure out how to get in contact with God to verify that. Because otherwise, you're, it's just more, we are making up these rules because some idiot in the Bronze Age uh, wrote them down. And, um, and who cares? <laughs> who cares what the Bible has to say about it? Um, it's dictates like that are not, they're not morals. They're just someone trying to control other people by threatening them with eternal torture. Um, I think, um, if we're talking about morality, that's, I, when people talk about morality, I don't see how that even comes into consideration. Well, it, no, when you talk about, uh, you know, evidence for God's existence, you and I have, you know, delved into the issue of the shroud, and I, I know this isn't a shroud uh, show, but, you know, there is lots of scientific evidence that when no, you there's not. put it, yeah, there is. Am I going to have to put you to a part again? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a certain definition for scientific evidence, and nothing that you've ever provided, Teddy, reaches that um, that That's level. That's not true. I mean, what uh, yes, is it is. Blood? No, it isn't. What is blood um, on the shroud? No, I'm, I'm not going to tolerate shroud. This is not a shroud show. Right, we, we... but he, uh, he <laughs> talked about evidence. He brought up evidence, and so that there's no evidence for God, and so you know. I know that's not the topic of the show, but I, you know, I can't just sit and listen and, and say, well, no, there's, you know, and, and yeah. hear okay. somebody say there's that's no it. evidence for God. Yeah, we, no more shroud talk, uh, please. This is, this is really, really has been uh, done. Um, but I, I want to ask you, Teddy, a question on, on the morality uh, issue. This weekend on my Twitter feed, um, Steve Chalk, who I've Andrew and I have had over on Still Unbelievable, posted a tweet saying that he presided over and and Steve Chalk, for those who might not know who he is, is a, a, a Christian leader here in UK and he runs what's called the Oasis Trust here in UK and they've got lots of schools where they educate underprivileged people and it's all based on mostly based on Christian donations. Non-Christians also donate to Oasis, but it's founded on. Steve Chalk's understanding of grace of God Christianity. Now, he presided over a wedding over the weekend, which was a same-sex wedding, and he put that on his Twitter feed because he was happy about that. And then in reply to that, amongst all the other hundreds of replies to it, was one particular Christian who said, this is wrong, you shouldn't be doing that, please go and read the Bible and learn what Christianity is. So what we've got there is a straightforward example of two Christians worshipping the same God, reading the same Bible, coming to two very different conclusions. So my challenge to you, Teddy, is how do you fit that into your narrative of a God with objective morals that we should, uh, we should all follow? So I, um, as I think I had mentioned before in the conversation that you and I had had before on your show, uh, I have friends who are gay. Uh, I have 
nothing but compassion for for people who, especially Christians who are faced with this issue of whether uh, practicing in in the way that their sexual orientation would lead them to, if that goes against uh, what is in the Bible and, you know, and then, and then you have to get into the question of how reliable is the Bible. But, it, you know, if we, if we grant that there is um, reliability that, you know, that's for another show to get into that. But uh, if we grant that the Bible is reliable, which I would say that most Christians would, then you have to look at the scripture. And um, I've, I've uh, read and listened to Matthew Vines' uh, arguments. And I won't lie, I, I was hoping to hear wonderful arguments that could support um, gay people, people in the LGBTQ community to love who they want. I, I really was hoping to find that. I was hoping to find some great little technicalities or whatever. And and then another part of my brain was saying, you know, you don't want to be or try to be too smart by half when it comes to um, the status of where you go in the afterlife. Um, but so I did examine that. And I examined his arguments, and they sounded really, really good up until you put somebody that really knows their Bible up against him. Uh, there's a great debate with um, uh, James White and, uh, and uh, Dr. Michael Brown, and they were debating... Uh, a lady that is a lesbian pastor and a gentleman. I don't think he was a pastor, but it was a really good debate. And, um, and I, I just, I, I felt that Matthew Vines's arguments failed. I mean, sometimes they failed because he thought Matthew Vines agreed that, for example, in Leviticus, that it clearly shows that uh, homosexuality is bad. But then he tries to argue that with the New Testament, that that's old law that falls by the wayside. But I've read explanations that go into how... Um, with the New Testament, well, aside from the fact that uh, there are uh, things, you know, written by Paul that still show that homosexuality is is still seen as wrong, um, but there's the issue that the laws in um, in the Old Testament. You've got civil laws, you've got ceremonial laws, and then you've got moral laws. And that the, uh, the civil laws that were applicable to Israel, you know, those fell by the wayside. The ceremonial laws, those fell by the wayside with the New Testament. 
but that the moral laws, uh, those are still in play even with the, the New Testament. And so um, it, it, I, don't, I don't think that the New Testament gets rid of that. It, 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 there's no evidence of that. And Matthew Vines tries to distinguish some of the stories like with Sodom and Gomorrah where in, in Genesis oh, with whether uh, certain homosexual acts took place by way of rape and uh, in certain situations to where uh, homosexual acts may have been. And he kind of creates this argument that when they were saying that they were unnatural, that maybe it was a straight person engaging in uh, homosexual activity and that that would be unnatural to a straight person. So then it would be uh, an abomination to God. But when you dig into that, you don't see that distinction as much as much as I wish that there would have been that distinction. And um, and it saddens me because I I see that there is something different between somebody who is a drug addict or a gambler and wants to engage in certain vices and has a compelling need or internal drive to engage in those vices or mm -hmm. the person who just, you know, is an adulterer and can't stay true to their marriage vows that, oh, well, you know, I, uh, saw that person and I wanted to, uh, you know, have sex with them. And so the difference is, is that at least they have the ability to have one person to love and, uh, and for the gay person, they don't even get that. No, it's not that they can't still get married, but it's not really, unless the person is bisexual, it's not really the, the optimum love and relationship that they would hope for. And, um, and that saddens me. And, and, uh, and I, I understand the desperation that, uh, Christians who are in the LGBTQ community feel to try to find some way that they can uh, maintain their salvation and still have the kind of love in their life that they want, you know, through through a marriage and 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 being monogamous. And so I, uh, but I I. I think that as I was think as, as I was trying to think through that, the only way that I understand it, um, that kind of pain, is that people have all sorts of pain that they're either born with in terms of children born maybe with missing limbs, and they will grow up in their whole lives, they will have a certain pain from, from having those challenges 
children that are born with uh, cognitive issues. Uh, just they're they're also or sometimes later on people you know get cancer people get all all sorts of things that can bring about heartache and that can limit our choices in life. Uh, and I th- I think that I've come to view somebody who uh, who has same sex attraction as as unfortunately having gotten one of those challenges. And, you know, the message of Christianity is not that there is any sin in somebody who happens to have same-sex attraction. It is the question of engaging in in the act. So, um, so anyway, that that's just kind of where I'm at that. So why do you think that uh, God created homosexuality then if he doesn't actually like it? I think that it has to do just with free will and God created us to have free will. You know, except, sexual, could, except sexual attraction is not free will. Just like you don't, you don't express, you don't uh, use any free will to choose to be heterosexual. The homosexual is not, doesn't choose free will. That's just how they're built. It's and not, in order to be built that way, God would have had to create it. I, I, uh, I do agree with you to a certain extent. I think that most uh, homosexuals are um, born with that orientation, and the science seems to be showing more and more that there are things going on in utero. Like maybe, I think they were saying maybe they get exposed to too much estrogen in terms of males. Uh, so I I have always felt that uh, you know that that most are born that way. Some people, for example, you know it's I don't know how many years it's been now, but it seems like not that it's new to humanity, but you know orgies and you know threesomes uh, that's become uh, a lot more common. I don't know, the past 15, 20 years, something like that. And I would, I'm certain that they're bound to be, for example, a lot of women who, you know, their boyfriends or their husbands say, hey, I want to have a threesome. And where the woman uh, doesn't feel like she can say, you know, if she's not into that sort of thing, say, you know, I'm not doing that. And so I can see where a lot of these women are engaging in uh, homosexual behavior, uh, where they're really not lesbians, but they're doing it, you know, just to um, please their spouse or boyfriend. So, I mean, you know, and I think in jail and prison that sometimes there's gay sex going on among people who really aren't naturally oriented that way, but it, it can sometimes be uh, a show of power or it can also be a form of uh, abuse to rape somebody. And, you know, that goes on in the prison culture. Okay, but that doesn't actually answer my question. You already acknowledged that uh, uh, sexual attraction is biological. So why did 
um, God creates that biological sexual attraction if he doesn't like it. Well, I mean, he just, he, there are people that do all sorts of things that are sinful in God's eyes, and he just lets what happened happen. Uh, that still doesn't answer my question. Why did God create it? It didn't exist before God created it, so why did he create it if he didn't like it? Well, I, the best answer I could have for that is just that there are challenges that are thrown to people in this world. Uh, all sorts of challenges, and I've um, I've said it before, uh, and I'll say it again. I I I see this world as a proving ground, and God sees how we handle the challenges that are thrown our way. Are we? And some people have more challenges than others, and you know, do we give up? Do we? Uh, do we decide that? we're angry at God and that we just then ignore him or uh, wish him away. Uh, so, you know. But God doesn't actually need a proving ground. He already knows what's going to happen before it happens, right? I think that just because he knows that it's going to happen doesn't mean that he still doesn't want it to play out. I mean, yeah, that's kind of a sick if, though, right? No, I mean, I think that... Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the definition of sadist. So, I mean, if you, if he already knows what's going to happen, but he just wants to watch it happen anyways, I mean, that's kind of sick, right? Well, if, if you're omniscient, then you can't help but always know what's going to happen. So, you, one could say, if... If I know what's going to happen, then I should just do nothing because I know everything's already what's going to happen. But if well, if you already if you know everything that's going to happen, into motion. If you know everything that's going to happen, wouldn't you say that creating something you are not going to like actually happening would be but a bad a, idea? A plan can't go into motion, even if you know the end result. The, res the end result can't occur until the plan goes into motion and plays well, out. And so well, that's he my point. wanted, well, but he wanted <laughs> to have uh, people in heaven to glorify him and to be around him. And so, in order to do that, he had to put the plan in motion, even though he will still know how it no, plays out. And no, he didn't. What? He didn't have to. He didn't have to create homosexuals uh, and then uh, torture them for all eternity just to get people in heaven with him. <laughs> he didn't have to do that. That's that is a complete non sequitur. I mean, what what goes on in terms of? people's desires uh you know some people have a desire to lie there are all sorts of sinful yeah desires. he didn't have to he didn't have to create lying either well but then where is the the test where is the challenge for people why have a test why have because a test in the first place if you can if you if you know what it would take to create someone that would pass all your tests and be with you in heaven you don't actually need the test because you ju then just make the people the way that they're going to, the uh, the way you want them to be so that they make it to heaven. You don't actually need a test. Well, but he didn't want a robot, so he wanted well, that's what to you're, it, but grant that's, free will. Okay, just pause for a moment. 
he didn't want a robot. I hear Christians say this all the time, and it really is just the stupidest thing that a Christian can say, because he does want robots. So. He wants people that that will worship him mindlessly. So to say that he doesn't want robots is stupid, because you don't you don't uh, not have robots by creating something you don't like and then torturing those people for all eternity because they're doing something that uh, you created in the first place. That's not how you don't, that's how you not, that's not how you go uh, avoid making robots. All you're doing is you're making some that are going to act the way you want them to. Those are your robots. And then you're making others that you're going to act the way you don't want them to. And they're no less, um, uh, they're, they're, they're still robots. They're just, you just created them to act in a way you know that you're going to torture them for all eternity to, for. So no, this, whole, like, create, this whole idea creating of, them. yes, if he knows uh, uh, what the, if his plan is to create homosexuality, be mad at homosexuality, and then torture people for all eternity for um, acting on the desires that he put into them in the first place, then yes, that is exactly what he's doing. But but Darren, you're presupposing that people are forced to act upon their desires, and that's not true. That is not true, not one bit. There are all sorts of sinful desires. desires. I mean, look, I mean, people, people, uh, married people can walk down the street and see somebody that is attractive and they can have sinful desires. Or, you know, they can be in even more precarious situations to where they have the choice of doing something, especially let's say if somebody's coming on to them and you, you have a choice, you always, always have a choice. Right. But it's your desires that are going to say, you can say no. It's your desires that are going to control. No, 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 no. Yes, because if your desire not to do something is greater than your desire to do something, then you're not going to do it. If your desire to do something is greater than your desire not to do it, you're going to do it. That's why humans are different from all of the other animals. Because, for example, when a a lion... kills some other beast to eat it. We don't say that the lion murdered that animal. That's just part of it. Morals aren't put on on animals like that. I mean, you know, we're the human animal, but I'm trying to distinguish humans from the other animals. Uh, we have a moral code, and that's kind of what we're talking about. Is there Uh, an objective standard that we have to live by, because if there is no God, then anything goes. Then then it is true. And and no, it's not. It is is fundamentally not true. And to say that it is true is something you're going to have to uh, actually prove, not just assert. Well, sure. Let's get into that. You have civil laws. So if you get caught, then you might go to prison, right? So how many people, lots of people are willing to take risks to do some big, you know, let's say a fantastic bank heist. It might be worth it to them to do a certain amount of time in prison um, 
to pull one off, but, you know, hey, if they plan it really well, and, you know, criminals are amazingly uh, confident in their abilities to get away with things and frequently turn out to not be right about that. But my point is, is that if the punishment is only on earth, that makes one even bolder in terms of taking a risk. Now, if the punishment is hell and depending on how you view hell, if that is um, eternal and if it's eternal torment, well, wow, that adds a whole other aspect of risk that one has to consider before uh, no, it doesn't. engaging in. Sure, it does because it's no, not it doesn't just, because all they have to do is ask God for forgiveness. No, not necessarily. And yes, that's what the Bible says. Is, if you're going to go by the Bible as a um, as uh, as your moral compass, then you can do any anything is permissible, and then you just ask for forgiveness. That's the whole point of the uh, the sacrifice of Jesus is that everything is forgiven at that point. It's actually not as simple as that, and sometimes people try to make it sound that simple, but it's not. It's um, there has to be a submission to God's will and a real genuine effort to adhere to that. Now, when we make mistakes, we ask for forgiveness. But if one is trying to play games with God in terms of, you know, I'll keep doing bad stuff and just ask for forgiveness, but God can see in one's heart that one is really not trying to to change and to submit to his will that, you know, the Bible's not saying that that's going to fly with God. God's well, the, the criminals that are Christian disagree with you well, because the they did it. Aren't the ones that determine whether they get into prison or not. It's God. Well, they, they are because you're lean. saying that, well, you're saying that their perception of it is going to be some sort of deterrent. And there's actually been studies done that Christian prisoners are more likely to commit more crimes because they can just uh, ask God for forgiveness. And so this this perception that um, of, you know, if if you don't have God, then all is permissible is just factually false. Because when you ask the people that are actually Christian, that are actually criminals, they say that they're more likely to do um, uh, more crime than the non-religious uh, criminals because they feel that all they have to do is ask God for forgiveness. Well, that doesn't make any sense because they still have to worry about earthly Well, whether it makes sense or not too. is immaterial. That's how they think about it. So to say that yeah, uh, God anything is that. permissible and is I just factually think, wrong. I think it also depends on who, you know, is the minister teaching them that because that is not what the Bible says that you can just um, constantly commit sin. And, and that's actually one of the things, you know, when we talk about, uh, for example, homosexuality, that's one of the areas that is a bit more problematic with that sin in that, especially with uh, gay Christians, uh, if they are under the impression from somebody like Matthew Vines that it's okay that they, um, you know, engage in homosexual behavior, 
then they're not struggling or fighting against doing that. And they think, oh, it's okay with God. Or they might think, well, I'm just going to love God and Jesus and want to get into heaven, but I'm still going to persist in my lifestyle. Uh, and so I'm going to kind of go against God on this one, but, you know, try oh, to no, be they- really, really good with everything else. And the problem with that is that is seen as being in an ongoing state of rebellion against God. And, yeah, but see, they don't um, view it that way. The problem is the problem you're running into is that they have a different God than you do. Their God is actually loving. Your God isn't. So when well, they well, the God so, of the Bible is loving, but He can also no, be wrathful and He hates sin. <laughs> Yeah, he is. No, anyone who creates an uh, eternal torture chamber is, by definition, not loving. They are mutually incompatible. You cannot logically have both at the same time. It is, it's like saying you have a married bachelor. It can't happen. Well, it, it, he, he gives us a choice. He gives us a choice, and sometimes choices are binary. And yeah, so, but, you're not, but you're not describing a loving God when you say that. Well, I, he he has given us the the pathway through, you know, becoming incarnate and still not uh, describing a love God. Well, no, that going. I mean, how many people would you? Uh, I mean, how many people do you know that would crucify or allow themselves to be crucified and to go through that kind of torture? For well, other no, people? no loving God would require. Jesus to be crucified just to forgive people. That is just so asinine. And it but shows he, how truly repugnant the Christian religion is, is that people actually think that was a good thing. But that is God doing it to himself to show us that's his not loving. love for us. That's not loving. Sure it is. There's he no is definition saying, of loving that anyone would recognize where that is. He is saying, I am going to take on your sin, but you've got to, in earnest, do your best to follow yeah, me and my ways. Well, that's yeah. Not, that's not loving you know. because he created the sins in the first place and he created the desire for us to, uh, to sin. So none of that is loving. <laughs> you keep saying this as if you're describing a loving God, but you're not. And well, the, the, but God is, God is not... Um, just loving. I mean, there are many attributes that God has, and loving is one of them. But uh, He hates sin, and He gives us the choice created. in terms of how to be. Well, He creates the ability for it to be there because if it's not there, then like how I can said, He choose it. right from wrong? He no, created it, something for he example, hates. So that, yes. No, if if you, for example. If a person is born uh, and is placed in a room by themselves and nobody else is around, can you say that that person is good or evil? No. There has to be the opportunity to, to have evil or good thought to do evil or good things, to interact with others. In okay, well, you're not describing a loving God. There is no good or evil. 
no, you're not no. you're not he describing gives us a choice. God. He gives us choice, and that is his showing of respect to us. No, it's not. Because yeah, it is. Because no, it's if not. he just created robots. Then you it, keep coming back to this robots thing, but you haven't described this robot that he's creating. No, but he didn't create robots. He created us with free choice to where we can choose to to love him and submit oh, to his man. will, or we can choose to basically um, be our own gods and determine and determine what we want. But there's a price to that. <laughs> yeah, I think you are insanely confused about what loving means because nothing you're describing describes a loving God. Well, I mean, I think that you think loving is being a sucker. No, loving is having compassion for people, and making people broken is not having compassion for people, torturing them for all eternity to uh, to uh, because they. Uh, acted on desires that you gave them is not loving, it's not compassionate. Well, Can I jump not... in with a couple of questions I've, I've got for you sure. guys? Not, not that this is uh, not, not stimulating uh, a conversation to listen to. Um, Teddy, you first. Um, in terms of sexuality and, and Christians, and you, you did a few moments ago uh, say something to the effect of you, you do look to people who struggle with sexuality uh, with compassion and you want to, 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 um, I can't remember the exact words what you said, but generally you said that you, you have sympathy for them and you want to be compassionate towards them. Um, but the question with regarding God and what God would do, let's say, let's go back to the example I gave earlier about the couple that got married over the weekend. Let's say, for example, that they're Christians. I don't know if they are, but let's say that this same sex couple are Christians mm -hmm. and, and they, and they worship, worship God, but they are in a same-sex uh, committed relationship. Will God punish them for that, even though that they're Christians? And what will that punishment consist of? Well, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, I, I don't do anybody any favors by shading the truth, uh, my reading of the Bible is that, you know, it says that, you know, you can't inherit the kingdom of God when, when there is an ongoing uh, commission of sin. And there was some, I'm trying to remember where it was, but I remember reading something that was, uh, really kind of odd to me. And it was where, uh, I forgot how they termed it, something to where with homosexuality that God can, uh, I'm trying to remember what the term was. It's like he, he sees that if they're in that sin, that he, Kind of just—it's almost like he washes his hands of them and he lets them just stay in that. There was a term for that. Do y'all? It sounds like you're skirting around um, the issue here, and that you basically what you want to say is God will cancel their salvation. 
No, no, there, but there was a term for it. It, it was really weird. And I, I, I'm curious to talk to an actual theologian okay. ab- about that. Um, but would you expect somewhere. to see that couple in heaven? I guess is the short, oh, is the no, direct no, no. question. I mean, my my answer is that uh, if if they persist in living that way, and if they have not sincerely repented, and then try, you know, in earnest to fight against that then my reading of the Bible is no. But it's not just for homosexuals. That's for fornicators, adulterers, liars, gossipers, thieves, all sorts of sin. So you're not, so tar- it's, you're it's, not targeting s- sexual immorality or what you would call sexual immorality specifically in that it's any sin that the Christian fails to acknowledge Yes. Or, or worse, yes. willful, willfully participates in, they, they but, risk losing their, their place in heaven. Absolutely. But what, what becomes more tricky with sexual sin is that the drive for sex can be so strong because it's not just connected with the actual act, but it's connected to relationship, love, a feeling of well-being, a bond, um, and that can be so hard for someone, you know, who's gay to not want to 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 have that in their life, and so it becomes a a real challenge, especially if they uh, believe, you know, what Matthew Vines and, and other. Uh, of the very liberal Christian churches are preaching that it's okay if you're in a monogamous relationship or and or you know married that it's okay. It's that ongoing uh, sin, and I I just think that a lot of times it's easier for somebody to have an ongoing sin if they say from the get go, I'm not giving up my uh, you know, my same-sex relationship. Uh, and whereas it, it might be a little bit easier for somebody to say, okay, I'm going to do my best to stop gossiping or I'm going to do my best to not steal anymore or, you know, I'm not going to murder people. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it, I'm just saying that, um, you know, there's a different, I mean, it's similar. I mean, there are all sorts of vices and addictions, but uh, I find it to be, I would think it would be the hardest one when it's dealing with love. And, uh, and that's where I, I almost see it in the, and I think I, not almost, I do see it in the category as of, of something as sad as when someone is, you know, born with, um, with some sort of challenge, uh, you know, a significant challenge, or if someone develops a certain challenge or illness or something to where it really impacts the quality of their life and what they can do in life. And there's all sorts of sadness that goes on in life. And I I don't say that in any 
trivial way, but I'm just saying uh, I, I think that people who are born with same-sex attraction who want to be Christian end up, unfortunately, uh, that's their cross to bear, so to speak. Um, uh, and does that, and Darren, does that clarify your thinking uh, on this? Does this make uh, Teddy's God sound any nicer to you? No, but she did a good job of showing exactly how repugnant her God is. So, yeah, kudos. Do you, um, Teddy, back to you, do you understand why Darren doesn't like that, doesn't uh, find that objectionable? Right. I mean, I, I, I get where he's coming from. But the other thing is, is that, first of all, Darren, it doesn't matter what you think about God, whether you like his rules or not. I'm not particularly happy about uh, how homosexuality and you know just the whole LGBTQ lifestyle is prohibited. I'm not happy about that. If, if I were God, that wouldn't be my rule. Uh, I feel sad for for people who who have that uh, that so issue and, and but. But the, but the real issue is, does God exist? Does the Judeo-Christian God exist? And if he does, then you better submit and follow the rules or else there are consequences. And, you know, it's not clear what exactly hell is, how much of it is figurative language. Um, we don't know. But if you ask me, I, you know, it's it's not wise to just uh, not pay attention to language that strong. And even if the language is figurative, it's it seems like it's pretty clear that it's being done to warn us against that alternative, that it's a really bad alternative and that we need to, you know, to work on the opposite of that in terms of working for heaven. Yeah, I've studied thousands of religions. Well, hundreds maybe. Um, and I can tell you that there is no reason to believe that any of them are true, especially the Christian religion. It has absolutely nothing going for it that uh, many other religions have well, going for it. You must not have studied the Christian religion very hard if you don't think there's enough Right, before, I'm going to ask Darren a question before that horrible word beginning with S raised, rears its ugly head again. Um, right, uh, Darren, we've had a little bit of mention and acknowledgement that certainly sexual desires, but it can probably be applied to, to other things uh, as well, are are innate into our physiology and we mm -hmm. don't choose them for for whatever reason we we don't choose them and so the, the when certainly when it comes to sexual behavior we act on what we like and we we don't do what we don't like is there um is there a, a sexual desire that we should avoid always and that we should be punished for if we do give in to it um, 
I'm going to have to say no, but not for the reason I'm guessing the um, audience is going to think. Um, for one, we need to get away from this whole mentality of punishment. That's just, it It doesn't work. Um, it doesn't? Really? No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, that's why the United States has one of the highest incarceration 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 rates and why other countries have virtually none is because they don't think of uh, as punishment they think of it as people need help and they need help in different ways so if they can figure out how people can get better then they won't be doing the antisocial behavior that sends them to prison so yes i think uh, punishment is Darren. punishment works really well because there are a ton of people that, for example, I mean, look in the states where marijuana has become legal and how the number of users increase. I mean, I, there are well, lots marijuana of things. Is, marijuana is no worse than uh, alcohol, so I'm not sure. The, my point is, is that when things are illegal, uh, that can have a deterrent effect in terms of keeping people from doing whatever is prohibited. Yeah, you know what uh, has a better everybody. deterrent effect? Helping what? people. I'm sorry? You, know, you know what has a better deterrent effect? Not counting it as punishment, but helping people to get over um, whatever their problems are. Yeah, but here's something that might be news to you. Not everybody wants help. Some people are not interested in help. And, and for example, drug users, most of them... Well, you know what? Other countries are showing that you're... Your other countries have done this. It's not like an ex uh, it's not speculation. It's not a hypothetical. It's actual facts. Other countries have done this, and their incarceration rates have gone way down, as well as all their major crime stats. So to say that um, I'd have to so, analyze the data because I'm just we telling you, deterrence. We have, we have actual data that shows that ju that this idea of justice is that Americans have is just crazy, and it doesn't work as well as people think it does. Yeah, I I don't know that I buy that. I think, and part of the problem is is that in many ways the justice system is not tough enough. It because people know that a lot of times they can get probation and. And that even when they do get sent to jail, you know, you do 30% and then you get out on parole. You know, how many people violate the laws in Singapore? Wasn't it Singapore where you get lashes for, you know, littering or something like that? You know, and, and I'm not advocating that we have that sort of an extreme, but my point is, is that uh, the punishment has has you know worked for a long long time it's not perfect there are always going to be those people who um are rebellious sorts and some of those people have mental illnesses and so sometimes they're not using the best judgment because they have mental illnesses sometimes people with mental illnesses are also on top of that using illicit drugs in order to self-medicate and so then you really end up having some some bad judgment but uh you know this whole man be pan be oh it's just you know 
try to fix everybody. Well, not everybody wants fixing. There are some people. And do you not think that there are some people who are just evil? Do you think with Ted Bundy that we should have just said, oh, let's just try to fix him, the sweet little lamb? I mean, some people... Well, first you know, you're 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 making a character of my position, so I'm not even going to address all that crap. Um, no, no, that's a, you're but, trying to get out of addressing it because it's too hard to address. No, I'm addressing it because it's well, it's bullshit, and it's not actually that my position. bullshit. Yes, it is. It's bullshit because it's not so my actual position. So Bun- you need you need to stop making Bundy? up a position for me to hold. No, okay. you said, oh, let's just fix people. Let's just help them. How do you help a sociopath that wants to kill people? How do you help a sociopath that uh, likes raping people? A pedophile that likes raping little kids? If we are to believe the, uh, the statistics of different countries' approaches... To how to do Forget that? Different countries. This Just is the data me, that we're in, uh, that's we are evaluating. This is the experiments. We should we have the American have ideal, look, which is I'd your crappy stick thing. And I have, have to look at other the countries details. That the devil have, and God is always in the details, and I don't know. You just say, "Oh, this country, it works." You tell me what is your plan to stop somebody who is a sociopath who is hurting people in one way or another. So do you think uh, that sociopaths your, don't exist in other countries? Them. I don't do you think care. Sociopaths I'm don't telling you what countries? do you do with them? What do you do with someone that will not conform to society's no, rules? No, answer, answer my question. Do you believe that sociopaths don't exist in other countries? Of do you think course, they only exist in America? Look, no, sociopaths exist everywhere. It's a, okay. a human condition so, that some people have. So they have. exist worldwide, right? Right. Okay. Do you think uh, drug addicts and mentally ill people and uh, pedophiles and ev- do they exist everywhere in the world? Of course they do. Okay. So we have a general um, uh, we have a general population that's going to be the same around the world as far as uh, criminal activity. Would you agree? Sure. So if we take the approach that one country uh, takes to these problems, and we compare it to the approach another country takes to these problems, given that the uh, problems that they're facing are going to be the same, then we can uh, decide which approach is better by which is more successful, right? We have to see the details of the data. What specifically are they doing? The details of everybody's diagnosis, all of that requires delving deeply into the details of which you have not provided. So I I invite all our listeners, anyone who's listening to this, I I invite to actually Google crime stats for each country. And you will find that America is the top leader in crime in the uh, just about in the world. And you'll find that all these manby pamby uh people that in other countries that are actually trying to help people rather than punishing them have crime stats that are orders of magnitude lower than ours. You, so you are can, trying you to can dodge. All you want, but it works. And, it, and it works in a, a way that's what, what can one? What do you suppose that one should do with uh, a pedophile? Uh, especially one who is a repeat offender. 
Why, just for don't give me oh these countries do it you tell me what do you do about somebody what do you do we about go to these other rapists? countries that are doing it right and what who are have they doing? Those crime what, stats they and do? we, what are they doing that is so right that we uh in the united states have just been so stupid that we can't figure out what are they, they doing that's they treat, so brilliant they they treat their criminals like people and not like objects Okay, they don't. They don't. Uh, they don't care about this. Uh, this justice stick crap that you're spouting. What they do is they treat them like people. They treat them as if they have uh, issues that they need to get over, and they help them get over those issues so that they can uh, work in society better. Darren, you don't know the first thing about what goes on in the criminal justice system, and I do. I, I mean, I work in this area. And uh, I'm, I'm telling about you, they do about. treat they they do treat people um, like people. They have all sorts of classes for them to do. There are all sorts of interventions. They have uh, religious officials that go in there. They try to educate them. They try to hook them up a lot of times with different jobs. There are even uh, companies that will basically create like a bond for some of the, the inmates once they're released to encourage people to hire the person so as to tell the potential employer like, hey, if this, you know, ex-con ends up doing something hinky uh, in your employ, uh, you know, He's bonded, and so you can recover your loss. There are all sorts of things that we do. We have drug courts here in our country, and um, there's all sorts of efforts that are being done to help people, but there are certain people that no matter what you do, they do not want to conform to society's dictates, and they certainly are not interested in conforming to God's dictates. And so, well, God's which an of asshole, course, so many, we well, you know, some people might say you're an asshole. So, well, you know, I would agree with them, but that's own. not the point. To each their <laughs> own, you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. And you can certainly have, I'm pretty sure um, that any, anyone who tortures people for all eternity, for giving them desires that, um, that he doesn't like is an asshole by definition. Well, you know what? You're calling God an asshole. That seems like a moral well, you're judgment, God. and you have no you have no basis to create or to form a moral judgment. Uh, Can you demonstrate that's true? Opinion. Yeah. Can you demonstrate because, that's true? Because how is your judgment any better than mine? You just have your own opinions. Well, that's that's different from forming a, a moral um, a, a moral judgment. You said I have no I'm, basis to form in, a moral in judgment. In terms of an objective, it, it's just all subjectivity, which is another word. Well, so so is your God uh, morals. Your God morals are completely subjective. They are subjective to God. Well, I have a lot of evidence to support my God's existence. You know, well, that doesn't and, make it objective. It doesn't make his well, moral pronounced objective. The person, they're, they're still yeah, subjective. Well, no, no. The person that creates everything in the universe, they are the creator. They get to call well, the shots. I invite you to look up like the definition an, of subjective. Just uh, subjective is where it's 
uh, one individuals and it can be, uh, you know, there is so God's no not an definitive. God is outside of the plane of the earth. God so can not an see everything. God is a being. And, so, but I'm talking about it's still it's still doesn't make it objective. Well, let me let me get into the difference between subjectivity and objectivity. Okay, going to so, use the act definitions, or are you going to use the Christian made up definitions? No, no I'm going to use just real world definitions. Okay, so okay. let's say a uh, somebody gets shot and killed. All right. Uh, and let's say it's a murder. Somebody did it and whatever. But then you ask a bunch of witnesses, what happened? Well, there might be a bunch of different versions of what happened. And one would say, and, and some people might be telling the truth. Some people might be lying and some people might just be mistaken. And so with subjectivity, that deals with our perceptions, which may or may not be true. But, but we are limited to what we can perceive. Our, our, our ability to perceive has limits because I can't put myself through the eyeballs of, you know, somebody else who also may have witnessed what happened, right? I can only see through my own eyes. But now God, who is not of this earth, who is beyond, is external to the earth, who sees all, he can see truth. He can see, you know, if we're talking about the Judeo-Christian God, that is supposed to be one of his characteristics. He would be able to actually see what is true. And so maybe some of the witnesses through their subjective, through their limited viewpoint Maybe they do latch on upon what is true, but then maybe some of the people end up not. And so that's where subjectivity doesn't always hit upon truth. But, you know, somebody that is external to this earth that has the ability to see all can see truth. And so that's that's what, you know, brings about the objectivity aspect versus the subjectivity. It, it deals with um, truth and also in terms of who is the ultimate, uh, in terms of rules, who is the ultimate law giver. And, okay, and so that, that is not a, very co- not a very coherent um, definition. So let me ask you a question. Is it mm-hmm. God's personal feeling that uh, homosexuality is an abomination? Yes. Okay. Well, the definition well, of objective. Let, let, let's wait, wait, Let's get into homosexuality because there can be no, a little bit of no, play here. No, no. I want here. to find objective no, real no, no, quick no, no. before we do that. Oh, wait, wait, but, but wait a minute. Are we talking about the orientation or the behavior? Because I don't there care. is a difference. I don't care. Well, is there it is a difference. By his personal feelings. Is it controlled by his personal feelings? Is 
is one or the other or both of them, it doesn't matter. Is it controlled by his personal feelings? On yeah, I mean, you're about to get into the whole youth pro dilemma thing. No, and I'm, I'm going to tell you. I am not getting, like I am not going there, so please don't respond to that. I'm not going there. All I need to know is the yes or no question. I don't presume to know what, how he comes about it. I just know that from what I read in the Bible, there are many uh, verses. Okay, why can't you just answer about a how he thinks simple question? He, why I'm are you always trying to? He it's thinks a, that it's question. an abomination. So it's his personal feeling that it's an abomination, yes or no? Yes. Okay, the definition of objective, not influenced by personal feelings or opinion. That's of people. It's the definition of objective. Yeah. <laughs> See, you said you were going to use the normal definition of objective, but now you're going to the Christian okay, so, definition of all right, objective. So hold on. Give give me give me your definition. Hold on. Give me your definition of objective versus subjective. Uh, anyone can Google this dictionary. Uh, Google's dictionary objective. Um, not influenced by personal feelings or opinions. So you can, um, <laughs> that is the definition of objective. So when Christians say that they have this objective morality and then they say that their objectives are coming from the personal opinions and feelings of a God, you can understand why people say that you're not actually God's, talking about okay, objective but feelings. God is not a person. It doesn't matter. It does. You said personal. No, it doesn't. God's Unless he's an inanimate object, he he has thoughts and he's a, a he God's gets under the definition person. person. His, so he ha he's an inanimate object? And what look, is he? God, okay, I mean, we are going to have to get into the whole use of pro, use of pro thing. Um, you know. I just he, went to the definition of objective. <laughs> so if you it's not objective. Okay, but the question is, we don't know. I'm guessing. What do I know about so, how so God you're changing your opinion? Because I am saying, you know, you're trying to pigeonhole me into an answer. And I'm saying I'm not qualified, and, I, and nobody is in terms of figuring out uh, – whether God is arbitrary in what he thinks of is right or wrong, whether or not God is bound by external uh, morals that exist, whether those bind God or, um, I mean, we don't know and there are going to be lots of things in the realm of god and the universe that we will never have the answers to we are okay, peons well, if, in if the you, whole if, you, know, if you don't know then are you going to give up this idea that you uh, that you know that um morals are objective then because if you're saying no, you don't I'm then not, you can't you can't say that morals are me, objective no the objective aspect of it is that there is one that it's not open to the opinion of everyone if you have just the opinion of one god one person that's one if you have one person that is the almighty that controls everything then that person gets to call the shots and those are the rules and then 
we the peons on earth, we can all have our own little opinions about it. And that's where the subjectivity enters into. But the, and, and we may be mistaken about what we think is right, but God, the moral law giver, the ultimate moral law giver, he has what his standards are. And that is what I am calling the objective rule. It well, you can call it whatever benchmark. you want. That doesn't make it objective. Well, then it's not objective by definition. Well, whatever you want to call it, I'm what I am saying is that there is an ultimate law, okay? And that the creator gets to call the shots on what the ultimate law is. And yeah. then ultimate law that's arbitrary Earth, and subjective. And well, that's that's up for debate. You know, that gets no, it isn't. That's rope, the definition of those words. No, well, I'm telling you, we don't know if I mean, many people would say that God is the paradigm of goodness. Yep, and they're saying and that arbitrarily. So that every, and so, well, I mean, maybe, maybe not. But if it's true, no, that's then the it's definition of those words. If it's true, it's, you know, if it's true, it is. Um, so the point is, is whether or not, you know, we can all just pick, because if there is no God, we can do whatever the heck we want to do. And there's no such thing as um, real morality. There's just uh, social, you know, just social agreements and constructs and, and laws. And there is nothing to uh, really stop us from doing, from violating these That's laws false. if we think that nobody is looking and that That's we won't get false. caught. I so, think that's a good no, point for me to, to jump in. It's been a really fascinating um, back and forth. I'd like to jump in with a couple of questions for both of you to try to clarify uh, my understanding. Um, uh, Darren, I'll start with, start with you this time. Um, so morality, from, from what you've been saying earlier, and, and if I can gather from what you've said, is is subjective because it comes from a personal opinion and that extends to and includes a, a divine being who tells us how we should behave uh yes that is the definition of subjective and um looking back at uh, the definition of morality which is uh, if i can just bring the page up in front of me is is concerning the difference between right or and wrong behavior or principles concerning the distinction between right and wrong behavior is the version that I'm looking at it, uh, which seems to to me to be something that's driven from uh, a personal opinion as well. So is it fair to say that from the distinctions of the definition of morality and the definition of objective, that it's not actually possible to have morality that is objective? Are you prepared um, to go that I far? No, I think it is possible to have objective morality, um, but it would have to be something that actually exists in the world, and God wouldn't be able to ground that. I mean, it would be like a rock. Um, it would be something we'd be able to go out, measure, uh, look at. Uh, maybe it's an energy wave or something like that. I mean, that's what objective would be. And there's other other ways to get objective. I mean, uh, like, for example, if... Um, 
you both agree that you want to play by the rules of chess, then there are objectively better ways to um, to uh, play chess because there are physical laws about the way the universe works that you can measure and um, codify. Um, and it doesn't matter if uh, minds go away or not, those rules will still, um, it would still be objectively better just because of the way uh, reality works. If the theists could show that morality was like that, then they would be on a great uh, path towards showing that uh, morals are objective. The problem is, is that they always say, "Well, it's whatever God wants," and it's whatever God wants because He's got the biggest stick in the in the yard. Well, okay, that's not objective. Okay, thank you, Dan. And um, Teddy, do you understand the point that uh, God is a being with with a mind, or at least our understanding of a mind, and the rules come from God? So that basically makes it subjective because they're subjective to what God wants. Do you understand why that's called subjective? Teddy, are you there? Are you talking? Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I had myself on mute. Um, yeah, sorry, that question was for you. My mistake if I didn't make it clear. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, as I was looking, I think I came across Darren's definition of uh, objective and you know, it talks about in representing facts. Well, when one is trying to represent facts, there's some potential play in terms of one's own viewpoint. But one would say that God, uh, the Judeo-Christian God with his omniscience, it's not a viewpoint. What, what he says is fact. It's not a representation of it. It is. And so... I, I still think that, you know, whether you want to, to bring the objectivity from, it, it has to be from someone that, is, that transcends uh, the fray of this earth uh, that can see truth. And, and that's where objectivity is. I think objectivity is tied in with truth and subjectivity is tied into opinion okay um so basically from from your perspective you don't you don't buy the argument that god making up the laws is is a mind doing it therefore it's subjective that that doesn't wash with you i don't know how god comes up with his laws whether you know the I, th I think he, his nature, it, it could be said that is, you know, that that's the paradigm for morality. I, I mean, it, we just don't know for sure it, it, whether it's arbitrary or not. But even, let's just say, even if it is arbitrary, uh, then some people will say, oh, well, God can, can tell people to do horrible things. Well, uh, you know, that's not really what we generally see, but I would argue to that, that even if one made that argument, that unless you see the big picture, for example, if, if somebody made the claim that 
torturing people is always wrong. I would say baloney to that. I can think of plenty of situations where torturing would be the right thing to do. I mean, if if I, prior to uh, the 9-11 attack, had access to one of those terrorists, better believe I would have tortured them to get information out in order to prevent the loss of many lives. And in such a situation, I would say torture uh, can be the right thing to do. Because uh, sometimes you have to, uh, you know, pick the lesser of two evils in terms of whether you're trying to preserve life. And so, uh, you know, it, it, it just all, it all depends. Um, you threw me a bit there by deviating away from sexuality. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Um, so, so where were we? We're trying to answer the question about God making up the rules is is objective, and the, the, you you managed to defuse the question I was going to follow up with is what's the difference between God telling us how to behave and uh, an absolute dictator telling us how to behave? But you you squashed that question by defining it as it had to be somebody who was other than human. So you did you did uh, specify that. Um, God can't thinking, be a dictator. <laughs> I I I kind of saw you coming with that <laughs> that one, Darren. Um, I clearly um, am too used to hearing. I, I hearing didn't. Talk. I didn't hear. I didn't hear what Darren said. What did you say, Darren? It was likening God to a dictator, effectively. Yeah, it was well, just. But but a dictator doesn't give you free will. God does. So. Uh, well, except he really, really doesn't. Well, he, he really does. It's just you don't like the binary choice. Yeah, that's not free will. Two choices uh, is not free is will. The, the free will thing, I'll just jump in quickly again with the, the free will thing because it's a question that's come up on our uh, special secret uh, high charge rates chat board here. Um, and you mentioned free will there, Teddy, and there was a question that came up on the chat board about free will in heaven. Are we going, sorry, well, I don't know why I said we, because I'm not expecting to be there, but are you anticipating having free will <laughs> in heaven? There's still time, Matthew. There's still time. <laughs> Actually, um, he's committed the unforgivable sin, so there isn't any more time. Uh, possibly. I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know that he has uh, You're determined said not to let me ask Holy this Spirit. question, aren't you? I bet um, you he hasn't said anything about the Holy Spirit, so no, he has not. Okay. I don't think. So are you anticipating having free will in heaven, Teddy, and will you be able to sin? Uh, I have no idea. Well I, dodged. I, wouldn't, I don't, I would, I don't think I, who would want to sin? Why would anybody want to sin when you have so much goodness around you so i don't know that there would even be a desire for that but you know who knows okay but so, the, but you but still that would make them robots though right but you still approve of free will in heaven do i approve of it i mean i'm I don't, sorry I don't approve know. approve is the wrong word that's my mistake you you still say though that there will be free will in heaven even without uh, desire to sin i 
I don't know how that works, so I'm going to okay. have to... No, okay, I don't no, know. That, that's that's fair enough. That was just a question that came up on our super secret chat board. So, <laughs> um, I, I I thought I did use this opportunity to throw it in. Right. So where were we? So I was trying to tie you down on the objective uh, and and subjective thing, and you won't you won't take uh, Darren's point that that God being the maker of rules makes them subjective from God's perspective. I. I I just, I think I see it in terms of a truth versus opinion, but, but let's just, let me play along. Okay. So even if I grant that to Darren, so what, so what he's still God. And at the end of your life, if, if what the Bible says is true, you know, there's the question of what's going to become of you because, you know, it's interesting and it's kind of confusing too. I'm not, I I haven't quite figured this out. You know, sometimes they talk about, oh, uh, you'll have eternal life. And then they talk about death, but it seems like really everybody gets eternal life. It's just that the eternal life might be in heaven or it might be in hell. And so, you know, that to me is a, is a big deal. And, uh, it it doesn't matter. You know, if you want to call God a dictator, okay, call him a dictator, call him whatever you want. You've already called him an asshole. (laughs) I mean, you know, a walks like a duck whatever, and talks like a duck. You know, whatever you want to call him, there is still the question of, and if I remember correctly, Darren, and I do, when you were on the podcast with David on the whole granting God thing, you said that if you, if you, you know, had enough evidence to believe in God, that you would submit. So you would submit. Yeah, I'm not going to be tortured for all eternity to a a repugnant piece of shit. All right. (laughs) I mean, that doesn't prevent him from being a repugnant piece of shit, though. Okay. And Darren, you know, given that you don't know everything, that seems like an awfully risky thing to be doing, to be calling God that when, you know, we're not talking about Zeus and Thor, because those are mythical gods, and those are very different from the Judeo-Christian God. Those are gods that, yeah, they are. They were created of the universe. You read those myths, and those gods were created of the universe, of the stuff well, of the universe. No, whereas they were by telling stories just like your god was. No, no, no. And yes, you don't yes, have yes. the oral tradition. No, you do not. And you also don't have the shroud. So there, I'm just throwing that no, in there. That, the and, there. And, and you don't have people like, you know, Tacitus and Pliny the Younger and Pliny yeah, well, the Elder and Suetonius and all of that talking um, and confirming a lot of things. So you've got well, they data that, that existed. They didn't confirm you don't that have, it You don't real. have that with Thor. Yeah. Show me where uh, ancient Roman no, historians or any other historians were talking about Thor. And well, Zeus Tacitus and was talking like about that. Romulus. Come on, buddy. 
Well, but do you have but do you have then the same type of tradition in yeah. terms of the Bible and all of well all of these books? Well, you're assuming and, that the tradition people, around the Bible is relevant. It is not. relevant. It is relevant. It shows the that people found that it was important. The Bible people that, that were liked it. People that were dying for their faith. Uh, you know, all of people that. People that died for all sorts of faiths. Who died for Zeus? I mean, voluntarily, that wasn't sacrificed. You've got all this extra evidence that. So your ignorance about history Christianity. is. I'm sorry? Your ignorance about history is evidence? When did that happen? My ignorance about history is evident. I'm not following you. Well, you asked who uh, died for uh, Zeus. There are a lot of people that died for Zeus. Yeah, history they were usually sacrificed. Well, and people why does that matter? For the... People, uh, people sacrifice for what they believe in no. all the time. No, Zeus was no, no. a well, major, well, major god for thousands of years, a lot longer uh, than has so it far. Is quite, it is quite two different things for you to sacrifice yourself for what you believe in versus to sacrifice someone else to a god. Yeah, you've so, never actually um, studied any other religions, have you? Not a whole lot. I, I can mean, tell. I know a little bit, but what does it? What does that matter when we're talking? Well, you're, about you're making this? claims about what other people have and haven't done without actually ever studying. I know. Show me any other religion other than Christianity that has science and forensics and history. Well, I can't uh, even backing. show you uh, Christianity no, 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 that has that. Christianity is the best evidence religion. So why no, do not. I need to? See, yeah, this it is. is. The problem when you're Show talking me one that's better evidence. Actually, studied it. You've Show never studied any religion, so you have I no clue need, what evidence they have. You for know us. what? I don't have to study ten million religions if you do. If you're making certain, claims about them, no, I, I'm. I'm talking about. We were talking about the mythical gods, and I believe me. Yes, Christianity is also a mythical. I've had okay. Well, being Greek. You know, of Greek heritage, I've certainly read plenty of Greek myths, and yeah, you, did know, you know that the those... uh, Greek gods are still worshipped today by about a hundred thousand people. Well, yeah, you know, there are always going to be that, more. That makes that makes that makes the Greek religion about four thousand years older than Christianity. So what? So you know. <laughs> so I'm you sure think there's... over the seven thousand years that that religion's been so in? So what? Uh, Okay, but you know what? It doesn't have the potency. It didn't grow and stay strong. It used strong. to cover the entire the world. Yes, the entire known world. Grow, but it did not grow and strengthen. Um, that was so only no, because it, of Constantine it is not, it's, not, it's not in the least bit comparable. <sighs> it's well, a flop. It's I'm a glad, flop. I'm I, glad I remember, you don't think so, remember, given that you've never actually look, uh, studied this other religions. I remember my mother mm. telling me, she had heard somebody at uh, at church talking about how some of the Greeks were still uh, not very many, fortunately. Uh, you know, this whole uh, a bit of a resurgence in believing in the Greek gods. And I'm thinking, you know, come on. But there are some people that are so eager to not believe in uh, the real God that has. Oh, great evidence it supporting it, and they will cling to whatever. Uh, 
it just because it just suits their fancy. So you know, well, you know what? You show me some. You show me. You show me a religion that has anywhere close to the type of evidence that that Christianity has backing it, and and you know, and then we'll 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 put them head to head. Well, that's really easy to do. Any of the religions have the exact same amount of evidence that Christianity does. The problem is, is that you don't really realize how lacking evidence? Christianity is in evidence. What's that evidence? What's that evidence? Okay. Where well, how about the Egyptian history? Well, how about the Egyptian uh, religion? We've actually got gods that have been mummified and um, re um, stored, and we can actually go to and see their bodies. That's more evidence than Christianity do What's does. What's the evidence that it was a god? What's the, What's evidence, the evidence that Jesus was a god? A book said the fact, it. No, the fact that yes. there is evidence. No, I, again, there's not. The shroud, yes. Dan, the shroud the is shroud. not evidence. Explain what? it. The shroud, you're No, crazy. I'm not going. I've got to jump in, kids. Jump in, kids. We're not I having know. the shroud. We're not having well, that one. I know, but you're trying to hand time me, Matthew. I mean, well, yes, about evidence, you're absolutely right. You know, if we're going to talk, if he, if you're going to let him keep hammering home, there's no evidence, then I should be able well, to Well, the problem is, is you don't actually understand what evidence is. I do understand what evidence no, is. No, you don't, because you're going to have to. wouldn't be yeah, taking this yeah. route as evidence. I can see we're going to have to come back to this topic. We're going to have to come back to this topic because we're not going to get anywhere between you two tonight or, on evidence. It'll be fascinating to hear you bat it out on another time. <laughs> the secret chat room once more. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I took money for this. This is terrible. <laughs> Speaking of, where's my cut? I, well, I accept payments and cookies. Um, <laughs> I do this. We'll have fun. to have a separate. We'll have to have a separate ne negotiation for that one. Um, <laughs> Right. Um, I did have a question. I did want to, to take it back to the morality thing. Then maybe because we're, I'm just looking at the time here. Maybe we'll let you guys have one more more whack at uh, the evidence one just for a little bit of teaser at the end. But there is a question I wanted to push on to you both on the uh, morality and the objective and subjective thing. On I want to be kind to both of you, and I want to suggest that you are both simultaneously right and both simultaneously wrong. And the proposal that I want to make to you, and I want, I'll highlight this with, I do not necessarily believe this. Okay, this is me just putting a proposal out there. Let's say for argument's sake that there is an objective layer of morality, that there is morality by which we should behave. Let's forget the arguments about how that comes to be. Let's just say for argument's sake, there is a layer of objective morality that we all should abide by but in addition to that we all have individually the subjective ability to overrule that and behave however we wish whether or not it it meets our personal preferences or desires is that a scenario that one or both of you can accept as being truth or do you reject that as a possibility as well yeah, I have no clue what you mean when you say morals are objective. I agree with you. But no, wait a minute, Dan, earlier you were saying that you can have objective morality, although I don't know how you find a foundation for that without God. Well, yes, I was saying if the universe worked differently than it does, then we could find a, a 
I was giving examples for how you could have an objective morality. The problem is, is when he's saying objective morality in this sense, I don't know what he means. Does he mean the Christian uh, made up uh, morality? Is he talking about like an actual physical thing that we can measure? I think he I mean, just means A. I think he just, you know, he's not defining it. He's just saying, you know, that it exists, that such a thing okay. can exist. Okay, what does it exist as? An energy? It doesn't matter. I don't think Yeah, let's go with the energy. Yeah, let's go, let's go with the energy one. Okay, and then the question, and then the question was if, so if morality could, exists could as a be, physical energy, could we subjectively decide that it was different than what it was? Yeah, and, and act against it. Well, people think the earth is flat, so I suppose so. It would be possible. Okay. Well, and no, wait a minute. Now, if you're going down the route of kind of calling it this energy, then that seems like you're going down the road of Richard Dawkins talking about we're just dancing to our DNA, um, that we're just all matter in motion. And if you go down that route, how can you possibly have any type of free will to do anything you can't we're all just reacting to you know or just dancing to our dna and so then well, you know, no one's ever demonstrated that free will is a real thing so that's well, the way then, you're saying it is then if you know but if there is no objective morality then you know as the as the classic example goes, um, you can't say that it is objectively evil and wrong to torture babies for fun. Then you reside in that world view. Well, that it's yes. all just opinion. Given the history that we uh, have gone through, that would be the most likely scenario, yes. Because yes. no one's ever been able to demonstrate a God or objectivity or a uh, morality energy field or anything like that but you know what we all well not all of us but most of us there's this thing inside of us called a conscience yep. and a lot of times how our brains are wired we, they're uh, well, yeah we even know what our, the that's how our minds are wired and the mind we know the, the physical structures the of the brain <laughs> Yeah, but, and and there is uh, interplay between the mind and the brain. But well, we can demonstrate a mind is a real thing, thing separate from the brain. Then we can have that discussion. Otherwise, you're just speculating. Sure, I can. And you're speculating it. badly. If, if you if you write, I think it was John Lennox that had that classic example where. Um, he was talking to somebody about the whole issue of the mind versus the brain, and uh, he said, "Well, look, they were they were at dinner, and he said, look at the menu. What do you see?' And it said roast chicken. And he said, "Well, how do you know that it says that?" And he said, "Well, I'm just reading it." And he said, "Well, how is it that you are interpreting these scratch marks? You know, basically." meaning the letters, how does that transform from the, the scratch marks on the paper, the material things, the, the ink and the paper into Because our brain allows us to. Well, no, but that's the mind because the brain no. is a material well, thing. The well, brain so is, is the mind. material. So is the mind. No, the mind is beyond the brain. Well, when the you can demonstrate that's actually true, then you'll have an argument. Otherwise, you're just spouting nonsense. Otherwise, otherwise, all you would be seeing, your eyes would see the the ink 
on the paper, but it would not bridge the gap between seeing the ink on the paper and connecting that to meaning. And so that is where the claim that you can't demonstrate is actually true. The what? That is a claim you can't demonstrate is actually true. Sure it is, because we can look at it at words on a piece of paper. Are you supposed to be a lawyer? We we interpret meaning from it. Not supposed to be. I am. Well, then how can you uh, fall for such a crappy line of reasoning? It's not a you're crappy line of reasoning. You're making this assertion that the brain can can't do something. You, you're making this assertion of what the brain can and can't do. Have you studied the brain? Do you well, understand brain, what it can do? do you understand the what brain is a material thing, okay? So? The so is the mind as far as material. No, the mind is immaterial. That's that why you're claiming that you have yet to demonstrate it's actually true. Okay. But again, demonstrate how how a brain and eyes can see lines of ink on yes, paper. We, we understand and the parts of the brain that, that are able that. to do that. Yeah, yes, we, we, we understand the parts the of the brain that are able to do that. It, no, you, how do you bridge the gap? There is no gap. You there, keep saying there's there, this gap. There's no gap. How do you get from the physical marks to meaning from just a physical object being a brain. The same way your computer gets from zeros and ones to creating entire worlds by building up the physical structures in the brain that allow for that perception. Even when we look at a computer, there, there is there's a bunch of physical stuff that mm -hmm. our brain then interprets the right and when we look at the, when we look at what the mind does we see all the different parts of the brain that produce that effect uh, i i'm not disagreeing that there are parts of the brain that do things and i'm not disagreeing with you that there is interaction between the brain and the mind but there is an immaterial aspect you keep saying that you haven't denying. demonstrated it's actually true i am no, there's you're the not. Mean, there's the meaning that yes, comes you keep about. claiming that this meaning is this some sort of gap thing. You haven't demonstrated that's actually true. But we can all see that there is a way of interpreting meaning when we see letters. Yes, and neuroscientists are able to pick up. We are able brain. to pick up meaning from that. So yeah, that that, that does, that's not a demonstration that the if, mind and the book are different. If you're a strict materialist, you're strictly limited to material things. So all you were limited to is those marks on the paper. And those marks on the paper can't mean anything beyond what is material, which is the That's another claim you haven't demonstrated. I am demonstrating very simply. You're just not following. No, what you're doing is you're making up a claim and then you're making up more claims to support the original claim, but you haven't demonstrated that these extra claims you're using to support the original claim are even true. You're just saying that because you're not, you're. Okay. I want to, I want a vote of hands. How many people that are, uh, that are in chat and everything, um, think that. What does that matter? They're all claim. atheists. They're all on your side. That's not an objective show. <laughs> okay. Well, I tell you what, anyone who's uh, listening to this on the, the boards. Most uh, of the people on the boards are atheists. Oh, how okay. About, so, how about you? How about you do some random study? 
Well, neuroscience has been doing a lot of random study over the last 50 or so years. Yeah, I mean, just ask the, the person on the street. I mean, it, my point is, is that if everything is material, then how do you derive meaning that is beyond the material realm? There's no such thing as beyond the material realm that anyone's ever been able to demonstrate. Yes, the, the fact that we have knowledge. How, how, show me how love is material. I can, if you give me five seconds, I can look up the exact uh, chemicals that produce the love. Yeah, we, I mean, this is not a hard problem. This is something that was solved like 40 years ago. Okay, you know what? Know they what talk about when, for example, people start nope. dating. And for about the first I, year, there's all, and I don't know if it's yeah, dopamine they understand, or epinephrine. Yeah, they understand the chemicals or, that produce that. You know, yeah. that, I, I, I mean, it's like they're on a high for about uh, a year. I don't know. I, I didn't okay, think I brushed it. I just got close if, to it. If they still uh, end up mm. together, especially for many years, uh, that that goes away, and then there is something else. And sometimes yep, they there are might new chemicals that produce each different things. Yes. Sometimes they might detest each other in many ways. You know, there's the that's old a chemical reaction how, too. You know what those chemicals are too. You can, you know, sometimes you can, uh, you might not like somebody, but you might love them, and so you don't have all that, all those feel good uh, opioid like chemicals going through the brain to give you a good feeling but right because those are different still, chemicals that go through the brain at that but point there, but there's still something deeper but but sometimes you can love people that you have an aversion to so that makes no sense they don't give you they don't trigger good chemicals going on in your brain but there is still something deeper that you can't quite put your finger on Yes, the brain is very complex, but that doesn't uh, demonstrate that there's more than the brain. Well, I I would disagree because the the brain is a physical thing. <laughs> well, you can and, disagree all you want, but you haven't presented any reason to think you're correct. Well, I mean, the brain is a physical thing. Yes, it is. Okay. So, and as far as we can tell, any, everything that anyone's contributed, uh, attributed to a mind is also a physical thing, i.e. the brain. Yeah, I, I mean, if you want to change your morals, you know what you do? You put a little magnet on, uh, uh, well, a strong enough magnet that uh, inter interrupts with the uh, part of your brain that uh, correlates all your moral uh, decision-making, and your morals change. They tested this. Well, why don't they do that to a bunch of... Uh inmates that are intractable and is that is that maybe what those foreign countries are doing i'm joking obviously but uh but you know maybe that needs to be explored well you laugh if, but at uh, some point that will be possible yes whether yeah, it should I mean, be done or not it's another yeah, question but that. it will be possible but you know with certain uh i don't know that i'd necessarily have a problem with that if yeah, until they decide that you're not thinking right, and they decide they want to change your thought processes, then you might have a little bit of a problem with it. Well, I mean, there's always going to be the potential that we can uh, fall into that situation. You know, anytime you have prisons, 
you never know who's going to get in in charge, in, in control of things. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important. That's why I like John Rawls' uh, veil of ignorance. Well, and again, the veil of oh, ignorance that, that you bring up is really nothing different right, from no, what Jesus it said. It's just a cheap copy what? of it. Yes. Oh, me. please. It is. I don't, I don't know. No, it's, it's not. not. It's the golden I'm not having it is, Well, Jesus it also chased a bunch of people around a room with a whip. It um, is. Well, over I table. mean. You're well, trying to bring yeah, it back to the sex again, are you, Darren? They had you know, coming. I much prefer talking about sex than Jesus. So, you know. <laughs> Give us some more of the sex stuff. Oh, okay. Well, I've got a quick question for you then, uh, Teddy. We, we talked earlier about how there are Christians that um, interpret what the Bible says slightly differently. And I gave you the example of the couple that got married over the weekend. And mm -hmm. there, there are some Christians that don't like that fact and there are some christians that celebrate that it happened so clearly we've got on this particular issue we've got two types of christian there's there could well be more who are on gradients but let's just stick with the two to make it easy you know christians who who celebrate what happened christians who who criticize what happened because from their perspective it's unbiblical whereas the first group of christians think that the bible allows for that so what we've got is we've got two groups of people who on this specific point about same-sex marriage disagree on what the Bible allows them to do. So we've got a problem here in terms of either God's law isn't being communicated well enough to all the Christians, or we've got Christians who don't understand it, or they're overriding it with their own preferences and how do we tell the difference between them overriding it with their preferences and them receiving God's law objectively? So how do you explain that difference between Christians reading the Bible and coming to two very different conclusions on an event that happened? I think that a lot of it has to do with, um, one is that we want it to be so, because we we don't want our our friends and you know whether they're our friends or not we don't want people to go without the kind of love that they want between consenting adults i'm not saying you know like for example a pedophile should be able to have whatever kind of love he or she wants but you know it's different when it's between consenting adults and um and, and so we, we want a loophole. We want a way to, for it to be okay. Uh, but that is putting our own desires onto what the Bible says, and it's not looking to the text. And, and then on top of that, we have a politically, I mean, we've had a lot of political correctness for 20 years or so, but now it's, you know, really, really um, getting amped up. And so then that heightens it even more, uh, the desire to not offend someone, to not hurt someone's feelings, to not uh, look like we are standing in judgment of people. And I will say out and out, any Christians that 
that treat people in the LGBTQ community poorly, shame on them. And I condemn that kind of behavior. You know, Jesus teaches us, you know, we, we treat people with love. We treat people with tolerance. And we are all sinners. And none of us have any business judging anyone. Uh, Christians that say anything, um, it should be strictly for the purpose of caring about the, the person and caring about what happens to them in the afterlife and just trying to ensure that everything is going to be okay with them and that they can go into heaven, especially if the person is a Christian and they think that, that God is okay with that. Um, they need to look again. They need to look at the counter arguments to what Matthew Vine has said, because I will tell you when I first listened to Matthew Vine, I was like, wow. And he was such a young man too, at the time when he first made uh, his presentation. Um, I was so impressed with it. And, and he seems like such a, a very, very nice, honorable young man. Uh, and I really did want to believe that everything he was saying was accurate. And I was hoping that it was accurate. But I also know that you know, heaven depends on that. So the, the wise, cautious person doesn't just hear what they want. whether that is for sure correct, you, you want to make sure that, that the path you're going down is correct. And when I was looking into it, I'm sorry to say, and, and I, I truly, truly mean that, I, I didn't find that it, it held up. There, the, the answers um, by theologians were showing that his interpretations were not correct. And so, and then there's the other thing for the Christians that, that try, you know, out of a sense of kindness, you know, there is a, uh, quite, quite the punishment to, to people who lead others down the wrong path when it comes to God's will. And so, you know, you got to watch out for your own self too, if you are trying to encourage people to go down uh, the route um, or the path that is is not correct, and and these a lot of these preachers as well um, have to be careful about that. And I don't know how much uh, slack one gets if one is just honestly mistaken, but it, it's pretty clear in the text that. Um, it just doesn't seem like it, it, it's acceptable. It's, it's, it's pretty clear. And so I, I just, uh, I, I, I'm sad to report that I think that the only thing that can be done is either to live a life of, um, just being celibate or, or getting married to, 
partner of the opposite sex. And I think it's important that the church embrace people and not be judgmental towards people in the LGBTQ community who are struggling. And if that person is in church and they have a partner and they have not, you know, given up the lifestyle, then the church should be there. They should, um, give them lots of love. They shouldn't necessarily change. They should not necessarily, they should not change what the Bible says, but everything should be done in love and out of concern and embracing the people because we know that, that so many of them are hurting, especially the ones who don't think that it's right, but still want to, to have their, partners and there's this horrible internal struggle and so uh there needs to there needs to be uh a safe haven for them and the church should be the best safe haven for them and their friends uh and and so there there has to be something for example if if we expect or you know if the rules are such that they would need to be celibate if they had a an aversion towards the opposite sex, um, then, you know, there needs to be plenty of things that can give them a fulfilling life. For example, there are lots of, lots of women who never get married, you know, old maids. Well, that's not to say that they just have no fulfillment whatsoever in life, um, there are lots of ways that one can still have a good life. I'm not denying that there's still something missing, but for a lot, a, a lot of times we have situations to where we have things missing in our life and we can't always help that. And it sucks, but sometimes things suck. Is that something you would, Agree with Darren that the Bible is clear on on how people should behave in terms of sexuality. Um, I think that when you have um, twelve thousand denominations of Christians who are all saying the Bible says something different, um, I think it's probably not clear. Okay, he doesn't believe you, Teddy. He thinks the Bible isn't as clear as you say it is. Well. Uh, that's no surprise. <laughs> hey, I mean, it, it's like if you look at the the different verses. Do you want me to pull out verses here? Uh, I mean, like, you shall not lie with the male as one lies with the female. It is an abomination. Um, if there is a man who lies with the male as those who lie with the woman, both of them have committed a detestable act. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood guiltness is upon them. These are from Leviticus. Now, of course, Leviticus, that's the Old Testament. And then there's the question of does the New Testament um, change it? But, uh, hold on, where's the... There, there's writings from Paul in 
the New Testament, or is it? Okay, um, okay I'll, yeah, we're, we're getting a, a picture, and, and I won't. I'm, I'm not. I'm certainly not going to get into an argue about, argument with you about that because that's not my job here in in, in this role. Um, but there are Christians who do read those same verses and do come to to different conclusions. And I think that's the point that Darren's trying to make there, is that there there are Christians who will read those very same verses as you and that will come up with a different interpretation to them to what you've said and maybe even try to be a little bit more narrow in the context in which that verse is giving that instruction and as a result of that they will build a different picture of what the morality of the bible is telling them and they will and as a result of that they will be affirming of same-sex relationships and other lgbt activities and actually like what the word you used right there context and and one of the things is that sometimes when you read certain verses and you just read one verse in and of itself and you don't read it in context of the whole story, for example, with uh, in Genesis when, when there's the situation where it's describe, describing a rape situation, um, Matthew Vines was saying, well, see, this is not about consensual um, love, but it, it's, a, it's a rape situation. And but there is nothing in the Bible, there is no example of uh, consensual homosexual sex that is affirmed. It, it, sex is, is constantly being described, you know, from the beginning with Adam and Eve, that it's for procreation and that the form of the male and the form of the female are made specifically to, to you know, fit. And, um, and that this is how God designed it and as the creator, he gets to call the shots in terms of how this whole thing works in terms of the rules. And so, you know, it, it's clear from just how, just even from Genesis and throughout the Bible, there's lots of condemnation in terms of homosexual behavior um, and and they're always talking about how, uh, for example, uh, a husband and wife are like how uh, Christ loved the church, and there's a sanctity to that. And we never see any examples of what Matthew Vines keeps trying to say. Oh, but you know, oh, these situations, there was violence, there was an inequality in terms of power but if if god in his omniscience he's going to know what people like matthew vines are going to say if if there was confusion he would have said something about um you know well in this situation if people who are gay if they get married and are monogamous then it's okay then why didn't god put that in but it's like from from you know the dawn of creation until until just recently it's always been understood even in in the teachings of different church leaders that um 
homosexuality is not allowed. And you know what? I was the first person, well, I'm not the first person, but, you know, I was looking into it too, thinking that maybe just because there were a bunch of homophobes in the past, that maybe that colored what was being written. I mean, I, I did look at that and I considered that, but there's just no evidence that I can find that that makes it okay. And, and, and it's not just that, but there's just, even in the New Testament, this total condemnation of it. And so, you know, if a Christian is going to just want to wipe out the Bible, you know, but that, that's a, that's a pretty dicey thing and, and a pretty risky thing to do. And I certainly wouldn't advise that. So um, that, you know, with, with all else in play, all I can say is that um, worst case scenario, just, you know, don't, abandon you know if someone is uh, a gay christian just stick with your faith and try uh and just but don't you know don't abandon your faith and and then just uh try and, and look deeper in terms of the context because some of the context if you read some of the lines above and below then it shows you that that Matthew Vines is uh, taking certain things out of context. So. Okay. Do you have any thoughts on that, Darren? Um, not really. Um, arguing like the, over the particulars of the Bible is like asking which way the unicorn horn spirals. Unless you can actually produce a unicorn, I'm not really interested in the others. I've got one, and Matthew does too. <laughs> but mine's invisible and pink, and you can't I have know. it because it's all mine. I mine. I, but mine's invisible and pink too. Mine just doesn't do the vegan thing. <laughs> like, That's because mine's perfect. <laughs> you would have all to slip that one in now. Are, all unicorns are, Matthew. <laughs> Right. Know that. Uh, right. Before we slide any further down the rabbit hole, because we're clearly uh, on on that trajectory right now. Final thoughts from both of you. Who wants to go first? No one. Darren, you go first. Go on. Final thoughts. Um. Well, I think uh, for the show, it didn't really go the way we thought it would but um or maybe it did go the way david thought it would um as far as what we've covered i don't know i think stipu uh criticizing uh relative morality and then providing a relative morality of your own and calling it god isn't really probably the best way to handle that um i think um that uh thinking that homosexuality is wrong just because some asshole 2,000 years ago wrote it down in a book is silly. Um, I think that um, if the God was actually loving, he wouldn't actually care 
who was doing what, especially if he gave them the desire to do so in the first place. Um, and I think that, um, and I, I just, I think this episode was the perfect, uh, example of what David normally likes to say that when Christians and atheists talk about morality, they're just simply not talking about the same thing. Thank you. Final thoughts, Teddy? Uh, so, you know, we were talking a lot about homosexuality, but again, I do kind of want to bring this back around to this, this whole issue is not in the least bit limited to homosexuality. Everybody who's having sex, who's not married and having sex with the person they're married to, um, they are all in the same category and we all as sinners are all in the same category too. You know, gossip, lying, cheating, uh, all of these things. Uh, and, and, and the biggest danger with so many of these things is when it's that ongoing sin where we are, especially when we're not trying to, um, to not do it. If there's not the real struggle to not do it. If, if someone is, you know, let's say you have a heterosexual couple and they're not married, you know, they're dating and they're having sex. Uh, well, I mean that that's problematic too. And, and then there's the question of what if they die before um, getting a chance to repent and try to turn over a new leaf. What happens to them? And that's a real question for um, the believer. And so, um, you know, this, this isn't just about homosexuality. Uh, and I just, uh, I think it's the most important thing is, is to figure out whether there is a God, whether it's a Judeo-Christian God, and, and, you know, delve into the reliability of the Bible. And, you know, James White is watching the debates with him and Bart Ehrman. That's the best way to, to learn about that. Uh, and if you find that the, the Bible is um, credible and you read the rules then and, and you believe in heaven and hell, then I would just urge everyone to, um, to do their best. God does not expect perfection. He, he knows that we are humans and that we're all sinners. And, um, but he, but part of it is, is not just wanting salvation, but part of what gets us salvation is our not being in rebellion uh, against God, but submitting our own will to his will. And that's not always a fun thing to do. And sometimes that can be a hard thing to do. And I think, as we all know, a lot of times doing the right thing can and be very, very hard. And so I just, I leave everybody um, with that. And I think that, again, we all need to 
uh, love one another and care for one another and support one another. That doesn't mean we all agree with one another, but uh, we all need to be there for each other. Thanks, Teddy. I can certainly get on board with loving one another. And no, you dirty-minded people, that does not mean whatever it is that you're thinking of right now. <laughs> yes, it does. Thank Don't believe them. <laughs> <laughs> Make your minds up in the comments below. Thank you, guys. This has been a different episode of Skeptics and Seekers. This is the first time I've been in this chair for an episode of Skeptics and Seekers. Tell David you don't want me to be here again if you didn't like the job that I did. All other comments, unwelcome. Um, and with that said, Darren and I are back here this time tomorrow, Monday, with the lovely Daniel from California, the Bible nerd. That'll be a different level of uh, conversation, I guarantee it. It'll be very different to this one. Thank you, everybody. It's been a blast. Good night.